0: Okay, welcome to uh, the first ever edition of um, what is being tentatively called by us, uh, "Books Brothers." Brothers. It seems that there's another uh, pair of just uh, perverts out there who um, want to do this kind of shit, but they seem like yeah. they seem like they suck, and um, they really suck. So I so, think we're okay. So I see, yes. So I I believe that this is going to be something that's really going to soar. Um, compared, yeah, I, I thought mean, I, at least sorry, compared. I need to talk. At, <laughs> excuse me. At least compared to them. At least compared to them, we'll do well.
1: Well, I was a, I was really proud of myself for coming up with that title, and then I did you know when you like come you think you came up with something good, and then you're like I don't want to Google it because I don't want to know, you know, if someone else did that before, and then I I finally. Got you know, mm-hmm. gustered the. Uh, I went through the hero's journey and I gustered the strength and I googled it and, uh, yeah. Yeah, so that's a good hint what you just
0: said as to what we're gonna be talking about for this podcast, uh, this episode, which is about um you know, a book, which is the whole shebang, um, which is we're gonna just be talking about books and. <laughs> We're going to see how much juice we can squeeze out of these puppies.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I, the point of this is that there's probably not a podcast that is talking about books and is not annoying. So that is the goal here. Yeah, we'll see how we, how far we can go with that
0: <laughs> because I think our voices are pretty annoying. Um, I'm going to speak for myself. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to make it as sexy and smooth as possible. Yeah, you're
1: going to have to bump, bump um, the base or something. Yeah, I'm lubricating as much as I can. Yeah, I'm drinking. What do you got? Yeah, I'm drinking. Uh, I'm drinking fresh water. Oh, okay. I meant like liquor, like booze. Oh, yeah, I probably sh- I should be inebriated, but I am fully... We can't really pause to do that, can we? I'm fully unblissed, as Joseph Campbell would not oh, yeah. say. So that is the
0: author of uh, Hero with a Thousand Faces. I always call it of a thousand faces. I don't know.
1: I just... Kind of I don't. always call it accidentally like... Uh, um, what do I call it? The, I call it The Hero's Journey. And that is yeah, not the title. That is exactly not the title. Um, um, so... Speaking of which, I the reason I first read the book was I thought it was written by um, Joseph Conrad and uh, the author of Heart of Darkness. And I was like, oh, wow, that's very interesting. Great creative author also wrote a sort of, you know, heady historical thing. And then I started reading it. And then I googled it. And I realized my mistake. But you own the book and you didn't look actually look at the author's name. Yeah, well, yeah, I literally I think that proves I'm dyslexic. But uh, yeah, I thought it was Joseph Conrad, or maybe it was a, mi- a mismemory. I thought Joseph Campbell wrote sort of *Heart of Darkness*. A Bernstein bear kind of. But was very excited, and then uh, found out it was Joseph Campbell. But the book was so good, I kept on reading. <laughs> I just kept diddling. That's those a good, stages. like
0: uh, the daily kind of cadence there. Yeah, so, I feel
1: like I'm trying to keep it professional, you know.
0: Um, I like that. No, I think we should aim for that. Um, but you know, I, you know, we talked about how we could sell this. Um, we want to keep but, yeah. it, we want to keep it fun. I mean, as, as far as people's, uh, you know, the collective unconscious or conscious, you know, to Big link, word. link it into what we're actually going to talk about with book club bullshit is that it's a bunch of old people who, um, have nothing else better to do and are essentially biding their time. Um, and we're not. I'm twenty-five. Thomas is twenty-six, I believe.
1: Twenty-six, yeah.
0: So you're gonna reach the twenty-seven club soon enough. <laughs> oh and, shit, I didn't uh, think about that. Yeah. Kill myself. I don't know about that, but uh <laughs> you know, because of the book, you know, is about rebirth, you could take it as you know, not as a rock star to literally die, but to die spiritually and then to be cleansed
1: and to return. Yeah, and that's an interesting point to bring up. Perhaps those Twenty Seven Club people were possessed by certain demons that were sort of calling. The, it's the call to death, as Joseph Campbell appropriately names. Really? Yeah, it's called death. I don't remember. Well, yeah. Like it re- well, it relates to this old. I think it's like a Sumerian myth about twin brothers, and and one of the brothers is the call to life, and one of the brothers is the call to death. And there's sort of like a yin yang struggle. So we could is- we could kind of
0: be that as we are brothers, and this is the books brothers. Um, it seems like since you're reaching that age, we can come to a point where I'm the brother. Of- my mic was too low. Okay. It. Okay. Okay. Wait, which brother are you? Uh, you. Know, I mean, you're the one who's uh, reaching that 27. So you should. You know, most like Twilight. Yeah, parallel or did you say Twilight and Morning? Yeah, like your morning and twilight. Yeah, I mean I think we're all in store everyone's in, in uh you know has a rebirth in store, I think once or twice in their life. And uh, you know, I'm in store for one, but you've got the uh you've got the uh you know, the age I'm older. The age book mark to wrap it into the subject of books to, uh, you know, die. Um, right. So, right. That was really, that was really podcasty. That was good. So that's, that's going to be a rule we're going to set now is that we're not, exactly. We're going to pretend like we're not even in a podcast and we're just talking. Um, I was going to say something earlier when you were saying like something to the effect of, isn't it like this when blah, 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 and then you start to explain it, and then I go, right, right, right. And it really just, and I was about to do that, and I was like, that is such a podcast thing. But then I got it even more meta, and I was like, I'm just not even going to bring it up. Um, This might be even meta to counter that, but I have no idea what you just said. All right, well, we can listen back to it. Um, Or you can. Uh, I guess I will, because I'm editing it. Yeah, you'll be, yeah. But... Um, I also would like to note. Um, yeah, we can just sort of set the testaments or set the tenets, as it were, like in the book n- of the pod as we, you know, sort of talk about
1: our our christening book. Yeah. Um, well, I have I have a couple of thoughts spiraling, but the first thing I want to get down is I moved a table today, and it's it's a very warm home with no AC, so I'm feeling a little out of it. I might as well be drunk, but I'm just warm. So, in my bones so it's ache. Substitutes. Well, you've got a lot of you know
0: oxygenized blood running through your body right now. You know you're you're thirsting for death and rebirth and. Uh, in <laughs> I wonder way. if it,
1: if I open my window, do you hear mariachi music? Yay or nay? Yeah, I feel yeah. like you do. I'm gonna close that. Okay, that was probably very immersive for the listeners a taste of my environment I'm probably gonna I could probably edit and post like a,
0: a mariachi band like starting to like you know sort of like open the fridge and it's kind of blasting. But, um, I guess
1: that's the only example of it happening in real life is what just happened so yeah so we got it it's on tape um, the second thing I wanted to say Um. is this like a te- uh? I was can't
0: say testament but I mean commandment
1: commandment is this a no, pod? Is this the, a pod commandment? In terms of pod commandments, I think I'm done. Well, the I don't know if we mentioned it, but we can go. We can pick them the up. The goal as we go. here is to talk, be talking about books as if we were talking about a best friend or a, a you know a movie or a you know it's just books are just information written down. It is not. It is not locked off we're sort of the Martin Luther's of the Mm. 21st century so to speak Wow tearing down the walls of this noble uh, thing or you know exclusive to the nobles the scholars the academics Mm -hmm. the pencil pushers uh, and we're tearing it down and we're saying no Joe Blow Joe blank you can (laughs) read books too they're not hard. They are scary. Well, here's the thing. And here's th- the thing. That's interesting. Reading a book or reading books is also reflects the hero's journey. Right. It is horrifying at first it's to be a, reading it's books. It's a
0: beginning, it's a definite beginning where it's total non There's a death. Yeah, there is a death and that occurs a, yeah, in your absolute soul. Absolutely death, yeah.
1: And you have to you have to push through.
0: Well, that's the thing, is I was thinking or sort of like, you know, conceptualizing or whatever, is like, you know, that's a cool idea, but it's also, I don't know. Yeah. There are people out there that, you know, don't read a lot and this could be a great thing to like get them to do that. But it's also like some people like that idea, you know, is not that, I I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like, you know, it's not that amazing of an idea to be reading for most of the people. I think more people than you'd think, or like, you know, people we would want to make laugh. You know what I mean? Like they're probably reading already, but right. I mean, that's, uh, it's, it's not about reading, you know, like I was thinking about reading correctly. I think, uh, well, you don't want to reading the right books. We don't want to guide people in like a pretentious way of like, blah, blah, blah. This is like a, a curated, like each season is going to be, you know, not of a, of an ilk, but it's going to be curated in a sense of like what we think is good and what we like. Um, so I don't know maybe we should give a background maybe not maybe try to keep it mysterious if the kind background of, for what like, like who we are and like what kind of books we
1: gravitate No 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 no.
0: Okay. Um, Let's keep it ambiguous. Keep it ambiguous. Okay
1: so I don't know like do you want me to Yeah, you start the me? intro for the book. Okay. Well, for those well, who well, do not know okay. what we we're talking about it is The Hero with a Thousand Faces 1949 Joseph Campbell. He was a comparative mythologist, comparative religion researcher. He went to Saint Sarah Lawrence College. Um, but the, the most interesting part about his life is, to me, he um, he was best friends with John Steinbeck. No way. Didn't know. I don't know if you knew about that. I think I read it. It might have been in the forward to this book, the edition I have. But
0: Do you have the one with you, like the green titles on it?
1: Uh, no, I have the Collected Works edition. Like the one with um, the uh, beige...
0: With like the no. you know, it's Luke Skywalker. Mine's on black. It. No. Oh so, my
1: God. You have
0: Luke Skywalker? Well, mine has a picture of Luke Skywalker on it. And it I feel like it, you know, we'll get into Star Wars. Oh, I want to talk about that because I actually I, have a
1: quote from George Lucas on the back of my book. Just fucking
0: save it. I want to get into that with, you know, <laughs> this book is well, I think yo. Well I think this book is really popularly still relevant or, you know, it's in the popular uh Zeitgeist or something because it's was used so heavily to make Star Wars, but we'll get into that. But yeah,
1: mine, also, mine
0: has a uh I'll say I'll say this before we really dive deeper later is like it's a very vain uh um drawing of the tenets of the book. Like as as George Lucas used it in Star Wars, like it's it's very surface level. Like it's he used it essentially just to structure the story of Star Wars and not necessarily, you know, as far as I can tell, guide it uh in the deeply spiritual way that the book actually is. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I was gonna say I uh so I worked with Dan Harmon for the listeners, and he uses this book, and this was the main reason I actually avoided this book, particularly because uh while I think he probably as an individual understands the book very well. His, the way he communicated it made it seem like some save the cat, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. like beat thing, and it is way psychedelic and yeah. kaleidoscopic, and it's not that at all. Like he has not in. in Wait, are you name? Sorry, are you name dropping? Were you just name dropping there, or were you saying that Dan Harmon uses it a shitload? Uh, well, I was about to say he. In poor tradition of being a hero, he poorly elucidated the story of this book. And because you have you heard of Dan Harmon's Story Circle? No, no. Oh, okay, well he sort of Dan Harmon publicly is known has used the hero's journey, the hero with a thousand faces, as a sort of uh, like a inspiration for his Story Circle. And his Story Circle is just it literally takes the circle of just sort of like going down, death, and rebirth. Right, yeah. type thing to write TV episodes and stuff. And it just, it feels yeah, like... Yeah, no, TV.
0: I was going to say like a lot of the people, which is like two or three, but anyone who I talked to about this book said like, yeah, I read it, I think pretty, um, I don't know what the word is, surface level sense in a college course of like a film class mm. to teach in the same, like Save the Cat's a perfect comparison where it's really used in the, like, from what I can tell in education to simply teach kids how to structure stories. Um But like, which is strange because like, I guess those professors are skipping the intro section and going straight to just like highlighting each chapter's title, like almost, you yeah. know, almost like exclusively because what I found the most, not I don't know if this is jumping ahead, but like what I found the most like immediately like i want to avoid the word mind-blowing for like the entire mm-hmm. pod but like you know it's just sort of dripping with gene <laughs> juice this is a weird expression anyway dream juice like the first intro you know it's and this is a pretty uh, verbose idea but like it is like the intro to the unknown in the same way that the book is talking about how the hero starts the journey like with the introduction to the unknown, because like what I found reading the introduction of this book was like, it's an introduction to like just a greater humanity. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's about a greater, it, it just starts talking about the greater human psyche and the greater human like dream. Um Which reminds me we should get into like uh, a lost, a sort of lost,
1: um, A lot. We lost a bit of culture or something. I don't know about that. I don't know if I an essential aspect of culture. All human culture. Yeah,
0: like, and that's that's something you you know could probably gather just from reading the intro to the Wikipedia article on this book. But like, you know, you gotta stare into the you know stack of pages to like actually get it. And it's, it is so, I mean, that's, I think that's kind of, you know, it's kind of like the post donor, uh, Mm -hmm. thing with, I think the whole pod I want to do is just like this dumb idea basically to any, to any like voracious reader is this, this is a stupid idea, but like, you know, you're just staring into a stack of paper when you read a book and it's the most boring activity I think one can experience. I'm like getting super rambly, but it's the most boring thing that people can do in their lives. but well, it, functionally, it can be very exciting. Yeah, true. but it's just in a physical sense, you have to like embrace this like really silent, boring um, like event. But like like with this book, it's one of the most it can be one of the most profound things you can do. But I feel like I totally derailed there. Let's get back on track. Yeah, what were we
1: talking about? Um, Donor, dumb, <laughs> book, the book significance. I feel like I feel like we're jumping ahead. I feel like I'm worried, yeah, like, the, is let, the person let, listening listen to this under, even know what the book is about? So, so why don't
0: you, let's backtrack a bit. I think that was whatever. Let me just sort of
1: give a brief yeah, lesson. Give
0: a, okay, don't say lesson, but just say, Come you know, on, just, hey, 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 hey! Just don't say don't like, be afraid. You know, don't this be is, afraid. This is what the I book. I want you to
1: say that you're not afraid. Just say the book. What the book's about, bitch. <laughs> um. So, well, I was I was on uh, John Steinbeck, and then we got interrupted. But uh, how'd you get off of him? I forget, honestly. Roll the tape back. I meant that as a a joke, but oh, okay. But I think I actually I think from I should have uh brushed brushed up on this, but. John Steinbeck, uh, I think Joseph Campbell started dating John Steinbeck's uh, girlfriend or something like that. But anyway, they were friends. And at the time, Joseph Campbell, I think in his mid-20s, early 20s, or late 20s, somewhere around his 20s, he isolated himself in a small um, sort of barn house, like a small little room. And he just read, like, voraciously for about, I think, like 10 years. Jesus Um, he never and I I think in the tradition obviously this is sort of the big reveal of this book is that it is Carl Jung um, to a T like this is basically this is uh, this is the uh, you know early Beach Boys to uh, Chuck Berry like this is oh hey that's where he got it from like it is It's pretty just applying much a, the
0: teachings of Jung on myths. Or did Jung talk well, about Well,
1: that? that's the problem is Jung is talking about myths in the exact same way, referencing nearly the same myths a lot of the time. Um, the inclusion of Nietzsche is not a coincidence and it's you know, Jung uses it a lot and Joseph Campbell uses it a lot. It's very clear reading Joseph Campbell that he was heavily, heavily inspired by Jung. So much so I was reading some Jung today and Jung was referencing the uh, past history of the archetype, which is uh, to say quickly, it is a a visual image of an instinct that we have. So you could have like the archetype of anger, and that would be the god of war or something like that. Okay. Um, Jung was referencing the early uh, sort of innovators of that realization of that we have archetypes mm-hmm. inside of us, and uh, he's referencing the exact same people that in the very beginning, I think, of hero's journey. Levy Brule, I think, is among them. But he's he's pulling a reference that Jung is referencing for the Your reference turns of heroes of heroes Journey. So the sort of uh, if I'm using my Sherlock Holmes uh, abilities correctly, he, you know he's using he's almost plagiarizing Jung in a lot of senses. But he does I think he summarizes it very well. well where's
0: the so? Is he summarizing Jung, or is there is there some sort of hot take that's... Are there several, or what's going on there? I can't,
1: honestly can't pick out a hot take, other than the fact that, like, actually, I agree with you a little bit. He does use myths a little more than Jung does. Jung striks, sticks more mainly to uh, his clinical experience, like working with actual patients and okay. studying Well, I them. mean,
0: yeah, there's books about myths.
1: Yeah. But yeah, the I would say he includes miss a little more, but the overall message and psychology that he is.
2: Uh enlightening is pretty much strictly a Jungian. I would say. It's
1: that Jungian from, thing, sir. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's interesting. That's probably where I first wanted to know who that was. Was from Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, we're gonna have a sound effect.
0: For when we reference, yeah, play that clip. No, well, no, well, yeah, but we're gonna reference probably Bob Dylan, probably Kubrick a lot. You know, these are pretty eye rolly references, but like, I feel like, uh I got into this book because it seems like sort of this weird culty like scripture that every writer that I really like sort of used as their, uh, their, I don't know, jump off point inspirationally. Like after a lot of people I adore read this, they seem to get all the juice they needed to make the shit that they, you know, the shit that they made. Um, so, you of which, uh, so why don't we, why don't, why don't we, I don't know, I guess this is sort of an off track thing again a little bit, but should we like just list those
1: people off? Yeah, I was about to say, I think we should, cause I, that is a, it has a very enticing, enticing. Yeah, it ha- there's it is a diverse group of of yeah, people why, in terms. Can of... Can you
0: pull that up? Because I'm my my actually keyboard's super loud. It's just yeah. Wikipedia. So it is.
1: Speaking of Kubrick, one of them is Stanley Kubrick. He pulled or had um, Arthur C. Clarke read this book for um, when they were turning 2001 into a uh, screenplay, um, or I guess writing it in the novel at the same time. He specifically said to Arthur C. Clarke, "Read this book." And you can sort of see the bones of it a lot in um, 2001. Well, didn't mainly wait. uh,
0: Sorry, do you know more about that? Because I know it's just like two sentences on Wikipedia from what I know. But I feel like, why would Kubrick be telling him, telling the guy who wrote the
1: book? Like, well, he did, they were writing it concurrently. So some of the ideas in the script were uh, Kubrick's, like. Oh, so they he
0: Clark was reading was writing the book itself while Kubrick was making the yeah, screenplay. Oh at the wow! Same time. I didn't know that. I
1: think the movie technically came out
0: first. Oh okay, I did not know that because I I always know him as like the guy who adapted novels, mm-hmm. but I feel like that's the main one I think about him adapting, and it's it's weird that it was made like at the same time.
1: Yeah, and speaking of like references within references, he. This book references Nietzsche a lot, and uh, 2001 theme song is Thus Spock Zarathustra, which is the name from Nietzsche's uh, famous epic poem, and uh, the composer named the song after the epic poem, so it's not a coincidence. Okay, so... So, you know, perhaps he, I don't know, got to learn about Nietzsche through... this book, I
0: I mean... This might be, you know, a can of worms, but is there any other kind of Kubrick movie that really uses that journey motif in the oh, same way? Oh, this is interesting. I actually wrote this
1: down as a note to well, this, bring this
0: up. Is a, this is a can of worms, keep in mind, so I don't know if we. Well, to... no, I think this is funny.
1: This is a good take, is that he uses it in 2001 uh, very clearly with, like, just sort of human being. Chimps becoming human beings, becoming gods. Um, but I think he used it in a very sort of opposite way or sort of he in a subversive. very kind of subversive way. He did it with Barry Lyndon. But it is, the, thinking, it is it yeah. is the loser's journey. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's he a fucking huge loser. Well, it's over. basically to put it in to put this books and its lessons in practical terms Barry Lyndon, as a person, was not uh, taking into account the lessons of the myths. Like he was not paying attention to himself. He was, he was just, re- he was repeating things. Trappings of the flesh. Trappings of the flesh. He, the big thing that sticks out to me is the the story that he tells to his son twice, um, which is just a total fabrication of what that real battle was like that he was in when he one where he's saying, "Oh yeah, we', we well, have ran over the hill like a a batch of wild he devils. well, how do you know that he's talking about that scene i because i don't I think it's a joke I think it's it's, it's pointing it's, the fact that you know he's a too Kubrickian deceptive of a deceptive weirdo, yeah, he's just like he's just fabricating his life and he's not paying attention to things, mm-hmm. and so he's constantly um he suffers and he would and he calls it fate. And he doesn't realize that it was his doing. His doing, yeah. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know why. This is a total aside, but the scene where he gets robbed and the he's like, this is all, <laughs> he's got all his mom's money and the thief's like, give it to me. And he's like, it's all my mom's money. It's all she got in the world. <laughs> and the guy's just like, we hear this all the time. And like that was compelling, but like, Give it like we're taking it like we hear this all the time. I don't know why that like really shocked me like holy shit if even if that happened to me and uh, again this is such an aside but I was just like so shocked by like oh my god like they're really taking <laughs> such a valuable thing from him and it's just like yep yeah, yeah sorry that like we're thieves like we're just we we're gonna take everything out, <laughs> even no matter how important but I guess that just highlights like how it's sort of like amorphati just like how uh uh undiscriminatory like misfortune Well, how polite evil can sometimes be like. yeah but I, I that's true but i mean like just how uh undiscriminatory like fate can be it's just like yeah I'm sorry that's super sad but like you know this is what we do for our job so <laughs> we're gonna take right all, we're gonna take or all your all. mom's money she ever
1: made um, yeah it's like not yeah. um it's not worthy of like a well, it is in a movie, but I didn't, it feels either. like it's not worthy of a movie,
0: right? So there's, I don't know. Maybe let's move on to the next person. Should we talk about
1: Dylan? Uh, Dylan. Yeah. So Dylan, uh, read this book. That bit of information is just sort of written down. So I assume someone knew who yeah, was what, close to him. I knew was, he was reading it.
0: I was wondering. Sorry to cut you off, but like, I was wondering. I looked up. Try I I try to look up any other information as to like who knew he read it like is there direct evidence that he read it blah 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 and it literally is just a sentence on Wikipedia like yeah you know, there's no other evidence that he like was super into it but like you know like we were texting as I was reading it there is like several really compelling passages in the book that you know particularly one passage when uh. Joseph Campbell is talking about, you know, the return of the hero and with him, uh, he brings the boon, which is a word that is used like the most in this book. And probably I, you know, we joked about like before, (laughs) excuse me, like if you, it's a cool word, boon, but like if you use it like outside of like reading it on a page in this book, you're just, everyone's just going to be like, you know, what the fuck do you mean? Or like, you obviously read this book, you like whatever. Um, Yeah, it's a red herring. Yeah, but uh, he's talking about that and he quotes, I wish I, this is something I should have had for the pod, but like (laughs) he uh, references this um, poem, which is essentially like Dylan totally read that and literally like ripped off the meter and the subject matter of it which is like, you know, to butcher. I
1: saw a white horse, he was covered in rainbow. Yeah, so it's basically
0: that, like the lyrics to Hard Rain, but it's if you just switch those lyrics out with like uh, mythic references to like, you know, mm-hmm. huge mythic stories. So that was like a direct uh, rip, which you kind of, and I think that'll be, that's why I want to have like a sound effect reference. Because, you know, that I'm always interested to read books that he was into. Um, uh, just out of general curiosity and inspiration, but also, um, it like reading that stolen poem has this cool sense of like, I don't even know how to describe it. I always think of like, um, you know, this is such a dumb reference, but like, I can only think of when a thief, like read you, like find a thief's calling card, like after he's robbed a safe or something. Like, mm. like oceans 12 and like, you know, they, Joker card. they find the Joker card <laughs> or they find, <laughs> they find the, uh, the figurine, Joker. like like the Fox figurine in, in oceans 12 is such a dumb movie, but like it, it always has that, that quality to it. And I always find that really exciting. You can exciting. smell you know, Dylan. You can smell him on the page. Smell his sweat. You yeah. Can, you can smell the, uh, stale cigarettes or, or, uh, or, or, like, it really humanizes art or immediately, like cocaine residue, yeah, it does. But you know, with him, there's such a thievy quality to it. With him, but
1: also because he doesn't really fess up to that, he just I think they talked about this on Joker Man. He just he takes like so much, even like direct songs, and then just says, Yeah, shout out to Joker Man, they're his shout out. Um, but anyway,
0: uh, the only <sighs> other thing I can think of worth mentioning is. Uh, I'm going to cut that part. <laughs> <laughs> the only part, other part worth mentioning um, is when they talk about the Herald. And this is something I talk to a lot of people about because I found it so compelling. But, you know, the listeners, no matter how
1: few, they can be. It's there. Obi-Wan for those lost.
0: Yeah. So uh, Campbell talks about, you know, the hero's journey and the person that introduces the hero to the unknown which you know in the simple, you know, like Thomas just said, of the simple way of describing it. it's Obi-wan Kenobi. Um, <laughs> but Campbell <laughs> Campbell describes uh, what this person can do. and he talks about how they introduce the main they introduce the hero into a dream state into a state of chaos. Uh, not chaos, but, uh, a blissed dream state. Um, and then he, he uses the phrase beneath the waves, um, like to describe, he goes on to like describe a series of sort of like dreamlike places, uh, like beneath the waves, which is like a phrase from tambourine man, um, stuff to that extent. And that song to me is one of the most compelling lyrically of Dylan's. Um, just because it, Captures the like, um, I don't know, ephemeral aspects of bliss and joy, and I think you know, with the with the idea in mind that it's clear that Dylan um, has been in this book. It's he's recorded as much as such, and you know, there's a direct phrase in there. Um, it it speaks to me that the Tambourine Man is is the herald and Bob is, like, at a point in his life where he is on the precipice of of the unknown. He's he's about to experience extreme bliss, and he's just like, you know, Mr. Tambourine Man, play a song
1: for me, like, bring me there, Bobby. Bring me there, bitch. Um, he's excited. He's excited to go on this adventure, even though it is unknown.
0: Yeah, I mean... I that is true. I mean, I don't that's, even know he if was about
1: any, to take over the world. Right, and I don't even know if there's any sense
0: of, like... Uh, like, uh, tribulation or something, or hesitation, like, he is purely just, like, you know, I'm branded on my feet, I have nowhere to go, I'm tired, like, I'm ready for a change, um, so, in a way, it's kind of even subverts the monomyth thing, because I got the impression from the book that the hero isn't necessarily, like, aware, um, and where Dylan, like, transcends that, or, like, for lack of a less pretentious word, like, where he subverts that is just, like, I'm aware that, like, I know who you are. Like, come to me and, like, beckon me through. Um, so in that way, you know, it's it's easy to understand how that could be misinterpreted as just, like, God. Like, come to me, God, and bring me,
1: bring me there, bitch. Um. Well, interesting part of the journey that I guess is not... Talked about a lot is that there there is myths that um, you can re- you can just refuse the call. I think he, he named the chapter after that. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a chapter. refusal of the call. Exactly. So like there is a version of the hero's journey where you just stop at the beginning, and that could probably be categorized as repression, where it's like you got some background noise. Yeah. There's a vacuum. There's nothing I can do about that. It's that <laughs> moment in life where you you feel there is something you should do, and then you just don't do it. You just shut out, shut it off, turn on the TV, forget about it, and just sort of keep going, keep moving forward. Um, to put it into like practical terms, that is the refusal of the call. Because I don't know if we've let the cat out of the bag yet, but the hero's journey is though is sim all it is trying to. Metaphorically stand for is the way that life feels mm. it is not it's not talking about it's not talking about the creation of the universe it's not talking about the way to make stories that will make an audience go wow well that is an after effect of it it is simply a story or stories miss that Joseph Campbell is studying and, yeah and realizing that this is what those stories is talking about, and as simple as that seems, uh, it is. Well, he's shining a light on a truth
0: that he, you know, sees, right? Yeah. Huh?
1: I, I, I would almost you could almost categorize the hero's journey as happening every single minute in your subjective experience.
0: I don't know. That's a little too crazy. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, maybe say it this well, way the hero's journey is that sounds like extremely neurotic that's probably what's happening for like Woody Allen and he's refusing the call that's for sure
1: Um, well in the sense of the hero's journey is the assimilation of experience into understanding okay well I mean in the sense of we are we are stuck in the now and there is always a something new that we can't predict and we must confront it and assimilate it or not so it's it's sort of like, I
0: feel like we should have. and It's probably my fault, but we should have. um, We should have talked about. We should have outlined the book. Like yeah, gone. I was yeah.
1: Should we like talk about the go through it? Why I don't you? Like why so don't you just? Obvious at this point. Like, it, it's we,
0: true. Like I, I feel like people's the popular understanding of it is is pretty known. I think. Yeah.
1: But, uh, but like, why don't we just list? And maybe I could That's just. I think getting this. into the the deeper aspects of it is more interesting because all it is is. Everyone knows it because we've seen it in Disney movies. Yeah, just you've seen it a million t- times, so it's not even. It's it's honestly so familiar that it becomes like banal. It's, even yeah, though it's it's so that's, essential.
0: That's why I think, um, yeah, it's not probably necessary to go into it, but because I mean that's what the book is about is literally just like revealing the instincts of the human psyche in terms of like dr- uh, not dramatizing your life but the narrative of life
1: is in the sense in the jungian sense he's taking it from the in un- the jungian yeah i don't know if the we un- should use that word no well i don't know it's Why? just jung it's like fucking Sylvester Stallone. yeah i wish it was like bobby or something i think you
0: think it's pronounced jungian
1: no it's it's jungian jungian sounds like about- a fucking I do not say. But he's Swedish. He was Swedish. Jung. My name is Jung. I have no respect for that. But I'll call him Carl from here on out. Okay. Carl. Um, it's Carl. The, Jim, the Jimmy Neutron character. That's and he was a that. chill guy. I, I just watched a documentary about him. He was he was like a warm, funny guy. Okay. But uh, what was I going to say? The, the essence of the story that he pulled from Jung and then combined with the myths is... Is the psychological truth that we live in bodies that have an unconscious, which is just an auto- it's an autonomous thing that is happening, and we are not aware of it because yeah. it's unconscious. You cannot. That's pretty. That's pretty cool. You cannot get anything from it. It is a black box, or a and blue it, box. it and it is attacking us like a hall of pantheon gods, like. Lintian. You know, lynching uh, <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean like it is a hall of gods attacking us okay. in okay. every single moment that we are alive we are completely uh, well we don't have to be but we can be completely victim to it Right. because or it is just autonomous or we, or we can harness we can, it or we can understand it and, yeah, and harness it so you could almost use anger which is a very negative emotion and use it for good And if you don't understand that you have anger in you because you are a human being, then you would think you couldn't do any harm to anything and you would forget about it. And then one day you have an enormous, you know, anger out. You blow your head off. You blow your head off. You kill your wife. You kill your kids. That happens a lot. After you kill yourself. Angry, angry men, angry fathers killing their families in cold blood. (laughs) This is a real thing. True. Yeah. But, uh. Wait, that happens? I got people yeah fathers killing their families <laughs> what are you kidding. fucking
0: dumb you live under a rock you never seen that before
1: <laughs> um i forget where i was going with that guys
0: <laughs> love doing that they love killing their
1: whole family <laughs> yeah well it's such a guy thing but yeah yeah i love God. that shit dude i would totally I think because of the vi- the violence of the act there's something about men were more violent
0: yeah, It's it's too bleak let's move on yeah um, mm-hmm.
1: but the point, the whole point of that was to say to the re, the person listening to this and who is unenthralled by the idea of this guys talking about old dusty myths is that this is a, an emotional story like this is it is merely talking Ooh. about feelings okay it's not a heavy like aim, like I'm studying ancient Rome like I'm studying quantum mechanics like ding 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 thing it is it is talking about feelings and what it feels like to be alive. That's it.
0: You got to tone it, it down, honestly. Nothing more. No, but rambling. No, no, no. I'm just kind of uh,
1: uh,
0: ribbing you. But no, I mean, that's what's great about the book. Just as I'm it's a hook.
1: I'm trying to hook the listener.
0: Yeah, I know. Maybe we should have done that tw- I know, 30, I 30, like 35, a... 35 <laughs> minutes ago. But um... if
1: you're if you got this far in, we love you. <laughs> yeah.
0: But uh, yeah, I mean, that's what's great about it. Just, you know, even in this way, it's the book structured is he basically does the work to illustrate what you just said, like in the intro. And then it's like, and it's not like the, it's not like it really loses its luster, but there's a much more like clerical purpose to the rest of the book in terms of just yeah. like, it's, it's an outline to what this like huge mind bomb was in like the first i don't know 60 pages probably it's well, like not it, that it's long just, of a book to me we it's, should say how, like, how many pages it is at the beginning
1: right yeah it is about it's like 360 yeah something like that i think that is that's a good point that thought made me think of something that is i think the main reason that this book has not it is not taken over the world like it has not become uh accepted like the theory of gravity or like
0: well, I think it's because it's rap. I wanted to talk about that, but I mean, I'm oh, sorry to interrupt, but it's 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 really heavily uh, references Freud, and I didn't even know like, you know, he talks about it a lot, but I don't think it's like that integral to like the truth of his points. I mean, I don't even yeah. know. I don't. I'm not even familiar that much with like Freud. Like, I think this was my Freud. main introduction to it. But from my understanding, Freud is kind of uh p- scoffed at nowadays and like pushed away
1: right well yeah be- because of the fact that he was a heavily biased person who was only seeing one side to life because of his own personal uh right. you know problems That's that was c- and the, the my favorite insight into that was in Jung's uh autobiography he talks about cuz he was best almost best friends with Freud at one point in time and he goes into like beautiful detail um, describe, describing their meetings. And he talks about how like Freud, whenever Jung would like touch, and Jung was just such an open person. He could talk about anything, any time of the day, just very open. And so whenever he would touch on certain lily pads, he noticed Freud like, like his face getting red and he would just sort of like get like shaky and very hesitant and like angry essentially, like his emotions started to, Take over, um, because uh, I think the biggest thing about Freud is he was a virgin till he was thirty. Jesus. So there was just he was denied. There was probably a religious uh, repression element involved in that. But he he was he was very he had a very negative opinion of sex, most likely, and so that probably, cool. of course, led to why he thought sex was. While it is a big important part of, about why people people do the things they do it's not the only thing.
0: Well, I think it's interesting. It's making me think of what we talked about you know as a main idea. I don't know if we should do 2 hours of this and separate it into episodes or try to cut this at was it 46 right now? Let's just
1: go till it, it we run dry and then we'll edit it. So we're at Actually, c- should I read cuz that remind I was actually going to bring this up before you mentioned Freud, but the quote from Freud in the beginning of the book. Should I just read it? Uh
0: well, let me just say something so I don't forget and then you say that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think what you said about Freud's personal problems affecting the rest of the world, and I think it relates a lot to what I was saying. Uh, when I was reading this book, I was taking it almost like a self-help book. you know it's mm-hmm. it's so spiritual um, and it's it's you know it's about growth, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, so I, you know, it's not hard to take this, you know, it's, it's what you should take it as honestly, because it's about the human journey, um, and change.
1: Yeah. The human condition,
0: human condition. I was taking it as like, you know, I don't know, like a blueprint, I guess, of, of how to change in a positive way. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about that and I was like thinking about, you know, the point, The reason I started uh, reading it really was to help me write uh, a narrative which is based in my own personal journey, Um, but then it occurred to me like, oh my God, I'm just sort of like dramatizing my suffering and like, you know, when you do that, you vest so much importance in um, like... Your neurosis almost, and like your mythology, or mythologizing your personal life, which is just like, eventually, I think it leads to narcissism in the
1: same way that self help does. Well, actually, could I butt in there? I think, I think, if you try to, if you're, if you're sort of writing it down as a way to understand yourself, I think it actually could be very productive. Okay, so I think and it could be art. As yeah, well. no,
0: that's, I mean, that's why I think my idea has remained compelling. But I think it's, you know, it, there's a slippery slope there in the same way that yeah. self-help and like Jordan Peterson type people affect the world is like they make people's personal spiritual or personal problems just in general be uh, be um, a, 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 a result of uh, outside factors and it be the fault of out, the responsibility of outside factors whether it be, uh, like, romantic partners, sexual partners, or, like, society. Um, but, yeah, no, that's why, I mean, this thing I've been working on is, has remained compelling to me and not something where I hit a brick wall of, like, oh, my God, I'm a narcissistic, like, bitch boy. Uh, because it's just... And it's a, it's, we should tell the
1: reader it's an al-
0: it's a musical album. Yeah, it's a record, but, like... A record. I mean, it doesn't... It it a record. It is, but, like... You know, no one gives a shit, like, about stories and records, really. Well, just so they know what you're even talking. I feel like it would be confusing. It's about
1: the music, but... Uh, But the music, you know, even if it's no lyrics, it has a story.
0: Yeah, it has a story, and, like, you know, this is just my process. Like, the narrative helps me write the songs, which I then work to, like, just make, be good music, but, like, the lyrics are are there, but... um, Do you want to get back into... What you're talking about with Freud, the quote?
1: Yeah. Do you want me to read the quote? Yeah. Just say the quote. So this, yeah, this is a great way to sort of, and the interesting thing about Freud is that he sort of, maybe this is, maybe we should save this comment for another podcast. I don't know. Maybe just are do we it. completely are gonna talk about Freud again. No, we should do a completely Carl podcast. Nothing okay. About Carl. Well, then we'll I'll have to Carl. start reading Carl. Um, the truth. So this is a quote Carl. from Sigmund Freud, and, and this Carl, is in the. Yeah. Sorry. Wait, was that you? <laughs> no, it was the fucking creepy guy behind me. Holy shit, that sounded exactly like Jay. That really <laughs> freaked out me Jay. out. Shout out to I Jay. I thought Jay like entered the room or like entered the call. That was like honestly very freaky. Shouts out to Jay. I'm not even. I'm not joking. Okay, that let's move wild. on. Okay, so this is actually in the preface. That's oh, funny. actually, interesting. Oh my oh, god. Oh, oh my. god. Oh boy. Wait. This was okay. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I just had um, an imbecile moment. Never mind. Uh, Quote, Sigmund Freud, in the preference to the 1949 edition, Joseph Campbell, uh, quoting Sigmund Freud, the truths contained in religious doctrines are all, after all, so distorted and systematically disguised, writes Sigmund Freud, that the mass of humanity cannot recognize them as truth. The case is similar to that, what happens when you tell a child that a newborn babies are brought by the stork. Here, too, we are telling the truth in symbolic clothing, for we know what the large bird signifies, but the child does not know it. He hears only the distorted part of what we say and feels that he's been deceived, and we know how often this distrust of the grown-ups and his refractoriness actually takes their start from this impression. We have become convinced that it is better to avoid such symbolic disguisings of the truth in what we tell children and not to withhold from them a knowledge of the true state of affairs commensurate with their intellectual level. So that's, that's is explaining how Freud feels about um, myths and how they've they become, have sort of become—they become—they become dead. They're right. dead, but they just don't mean anything anymore. Because, and I had this exa- exact same experience, and you can comment too if you did too. But re- religion and myths and stories—they did not. They didn't mean anything to me for the longest time. Like they were just yeah. sort of like uh, entertainment trips, like or like picture, sort of like just theme park rides. Yeah, just like picture
0: books, but without looking at pictures, really.
1: Yeah, they didn't. And I got morals from certain stories, but yeah. something about um, the more like the serious stories did meant nothing. Like they were just sort of like trivial. It was almost like no human culture had happened. Well. like tens of thousands of years to like elucidate our experience
0: i think remembering because i was interested in the myths when i learned about them but i don't remember that you know my teachers bringing them up in such a way where it was like you know this is this is like who we are this is this is a lot this is about how you think and how your life is i mean this is
1: Excuse me. That's like it's too heavy, probably, to tell a seventh grader. But <laughs> I mean, you could. I know. Yeah, that's what that's what my thought. Is like maybe it's too heavy for kids. And like Freud said, you need to disguise it in symbol. But we never had like. I feel like oh that well he just said it. Um, we we are we're we've come too far like with humanity. We're all way too intellectual to leave them as symbols because we we think we're most of the time we think we're only our ego. Like we can, we're only our little thinking unit. And because of that, we don't take the symbols. Like we we don't have an open heart to them. Uh We sort of, we go, Oh, well I can see the corners of that. I can see around it. It's nothing. Okay. We sort of, we lack that ability like, like old humans to just sort of take it in like art and just sort of embrace it for what it means.
0: Well, it's, I think it's in the same way that, well, this is two ideas. One, it kind of reminds me of the way that the pain of history is just numbed by time. You know, like even with nine eleven is the most recent thing where Yikes. it's such a macabre, one of the most painful events in you know, you know, just in the sense of like how much pain happened there, like emotional, physical, it's already being you know, deafened by just like time moving on, um, and I think it's the same sort of a problem with
1: with myth. I'm just sort of losing track of what I'm trying to say, but well, you're just saying that the myth has died because, like, in the book, it is the role of the hero to using words uh, to elucidate. Uh, what it, what he is receiving from the unconscious to, to pick it in like literal terms yeah and say it literally just say it in a way that people get yeah so I think that's the
0: same thing it's just it's almost it's almost the same thing in a what but I said about say it. historical so arguments like you know it's just being hit with the same image over and over and being like oh okay there, that's a thing that's cool I guess you know if it's like a macabre historical event that's awful. But you don't really necessarily understand the gravity of it unless it's it's illustrated to you. And it makes me think, like, was that the same for the Greeks who were hearing it, like, on a beach in Crete, like, 3,000 years ago, whatever it was? Mm. Because those, like, you know, Homer, the Iliad, those things are so old. And, like, by the time the, you know, Romans had it, it was, like, you know, the same as... Uh, any sort of fairy tale to us, I even mean,
1: even more so. Like,
0: well, I, w- I would I'm sure yeah, it had it had much more of a sacred
1: nature, but yeah, I would say because of I would say post enlightenment, there was a overemphasis on rational thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because these, especially in the West. Uh, not so not so much in the east but like the the people
0: like the people who are telling and this is just a specific example because i'm mostly interested in like greco-roman shit but um like when they were telling the myths it wasn't probably occurring to them necessarily then like you know maybe it was
1: heady heady explanation like a heady explanation of how how life kind of goes that's the interesting thing about it is whether you understand in, but well, like I said, we have to understand it in a heady way now because of how rational we are now. So there's no way, right. Okay. That's no way into the door unless you understand it rationally. Unless you, unless you're like a total hippie crystal, you know, completely feeling. So yeah,
0: that's actually sick. So it's like back in the day, you know, they're telling these sort of instinctual animalistic stories that elucidate or whatever illustrate the, uh, the, the machinations of the human psyche uh, in a way that in a way, in the way that the, the, the people of that time would be able to relate to because they were also animalistic in a sense, or, you know, they weren't as rational. It was just more about like,
1: you well, know, it was about like in uh, Plato's Republic, there is a human and a chimera in your belly and, and the human is the thinking unit, and the chimera is the unconscious, is the, um, like the dragon, like the unknown monster that, that lives inside of you. It's always an animal because it's, yes, we're does, animals. Um, love, but it's inside does, of you, and you have to tame it, does, it and understand that it's yes, there, never does, forget does, that it's there. Because if, if you do, it'll just like sort of wreck real. you into a thousand pieces.
2: Hey, this is Andy like from the future. Uh, just wanted to say thanks for listening. Um, it was a little random because it was our first episode, but now um, we're gonna have a definite plan next time. Uh, you know, listening back and editing is pretty good, um, but yeah, we're definitely gonna iron out the kinks of like audio issues, you know, shit like that. Um, and if you can forgive us for the mistakes that were made And Keep listening um, So this has been Books Brothers Episode 1 uh, Hope to see you next time I also want to say sorry uh, I forgot to say I say like after probably Every other word in this um, Which I hope to <laughs> Mitigate by the next one I also don't know why my voice is So low now but all right, bye. All right, bye.